Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the family with... Co-host Catherine Brandt. And Andy Brandt-Bernard. And we'll be right back to talk about China's artificial sun. This ought to be interesting. Minnesota could maybe use one of those. Yeah. Uh, Just a small one. Well, what do you mean? It's like 33 degrees. It's actually super nice today, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Melt the driveways. Yep, exactly. You know. Indeed. Indeed, I say. We will be right back right after this with the family. Tommy, I never believed it until now, but apparently you're a pretty big deal. Was there ever a question in your mind? Well, you might say I was a doubting Thomas. See what I did there? Yes, how incredibly clever. Anyway, what's your point? Well, last month I was trying to find you a car to replace the Mafia Mobile and suggested leasing a Nissan Altima as it was impossible to find your first choice. I love that Altima, and I'm actually looking forward to checking out the all-wheel drive as soon as it's known. Well, apparently someone at Nissan was listening to us, and at this month, at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we can offer short-term 18-month leases. That's actually pretty smart. By then, the chip shortage will be over, right? Man, I hope so. The only chip shortage I want to hear about is Bilski dumping one into the bunker. (laughs) By the way, for the first time ever, Coon Rapids Nissan was number one in the state, and Burnsville was number two. Your Altima was actually one of the cars that put J-Lo on top. To learn more about short-term leasing, stop into Burnsville Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, We're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Mom was just, what were you just moaning to yourself? Uh, American Airlines passenger jet takes off from Miami International Airport in Miami. American Airlines says a passenger entered the open cockpit of a jet that was preparing to take off in, in Honduras. 
and he damaged the plane before crew members and police could stop him. Why Tried to jump out the window. Open. American said Wednesday, January 12, 2022, that the man was arrested. The flight, which was bound for Miami, was delayed several hours until American could fly a replacement plane into Honduras. Oh. It couldn't even oh. fly? <laughs> What the hell is wrong with what is going on with people and flying? I'm telling you, it's not you just flying. You never used to hear this kind of stuff, and now people are breaking out in fights in the airplanes and the, the airports for a while. Yeah, I just don't understand what is going on with humanity. It's all of it. It's this this battle that, and this cancel culture thing. Steve Harvey announced uh, yesterday that he's not going to do stand-up comedy right now because he said the cancel culture will destroy his TV career if he does stand-up comedy because if you try to make people laugh, you'll infuriate them and they will cancel you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, your your goal in life is to harm people. That's your biggest goal in life is to, to do harm to other human beings. How disgusting are you? Right? I know. It's just, I don't need, like I said, it's just... Sad. I mean, people driving drunk with their kids in their car, people just deciding to damage an airplane. I just, like I said, it's like bad decision after bad decision. And yeah. then and then yeah. there are the people on social media that are telling everybody, you know, how horrible they are. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right about that. It, we, we have right now people, 54% of the population can't read beyond the level of a sixth grader. Everybody is insecure as hell, so they take it out on you. Uh, and nobody has any ambition. Nobody will ever finish their jobs right now. It's, uh, I talked about the 1960s because I was a little boy when JFK was assassinated. I was 11 years. Well, I, I had just turned 12, I think. I literally had just turned 12 about two weeks before, a little over two weeks before. But uh, JFK gets killed, and then, uh, the, uh, the, then the, uh, my neighborhood burns down in 1967. It was torched all of Plymouth Avenue. And then Robert Kennedy was killed, and then MLK was killed. And if anybody thinks that organized crime on a federal level was not involved in all of that, you're crazy. So we don't want to keep doing this. Our government cannot control what the people do because they will drive us literally into hell is what they're going to do. They're, you can't trust people to, to do things like this. You just can't do it. So I hope we don't return to it. I agree. Is um, Bloomberg a lefty, righty? In well, he's lefty. Yeah, he's way far left. Uh, the Bloomberg uh, newspaper? Yeah, Michael Bloomberg, yep. Okay. He's only worth about $20, million, or $20 billion. Because even Bloomberg is reporting that the EU... Regulators are warning that frequent COVID-19 booster shots could weaken the immune system now. Well, of course they could. Yeah, but I mean, even Bloomberg is saying this. It's very scary. So it might actually be, you know, like something they're they're saying. Yeah, I understand. The EMA is like the European Union FDA, and that's, that's the outfit that's saying this. I know. So... I'm, enough is enough. Well, they most people have had one booster. Right? I I have yeah I've had one booster. But now they they I just read a report a couple of days ago saying that people are going to have to be boosted again in the fall. Mm, yeah, that's what they're saying. So maybe don't do that. Yeah, until... maybe. I've already had COVID anyway. I can't get it again, can I? Yes. So you can get COVID. So this really does nothing. There are people that have had COVID twice and have been vaccinated and boosted. I, I personally know of three people that have. 
They've had it twice. Mm -hmm. So why even get the vaccination and the booster if you're going to get it anyway? Well, it's sort of like the flu. You know, they give you the flu shot, and it may or may not protect you against the one that shows up. And they don't know what the next COVID variant is going to be. Oh, God. So they don't know if it's actually effective or not. They say it is. um, They have no way of knowing. They don't know. Yeah, that's true. A sufficient mutation would render vaccines useless. So well, there's you can't. already you just another. Have to hope it doesn't mutate that much. Yeah, there's another mutation out there somewhere mm. in Europe, I think. Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's already one coming. Pretty unbelievable. Seems like we just had Omicron for like three minutes, and now we've got another one coming. Well, it's peaking right now in Europe, and it's going to peak in America on January 21st, I think they said it was. They know when it's going to peak? January 19th. Yeah, it's going to peak and then start and drop off very rapidly once it peaks. Yeah. Well, everyone will have had it. Yep. The flu, cold and flu season. That's what it is. Well, here you go, Andy. Here's your, your science info. You love science. In a new world record, China's artificial sun project has sustained a nuclear fusion reactor for more than 17 minutes, reports Anthony Cuthbertson for The Independent. In the latest experiment, superheated plasma reached 126 million degrees Fahrenheit. What could go wrong? Yeah, fusion is very lab. scary. What could go wrong in that lab? That is five times hotter than the sun. Yeah, no thanks. Why are they doing? Why are they allowed to do this stuff? <laughs> Just because you can do it doesn't mean it's a good idea. Oh, well, because God. theoretically, a fusion reactor could solve basically all of the world's energy problems. Yes. Just but a if couple that thing fusion reactors. Up. But yeah, that's the thing: is if that plasma escapes, who the hell knows what would happen? Especially if it falls out of the sky. I don't think it's. So, wait, this fusion reactor is in a satellite. That's what they're saying. Coal and natural gas is the primary energy source is currently used around the world, but these materials come in limited supply. Nuclear fusion could be the cleanest energy source available because it replicates the sun's physics by emerging atomic nuclei, by merging, excuse me, atomic nuclei to generate large amounts of energy and electricity. The process requires no fossil fuels, leaves behind no radioactive waste, and a safer alternative to fission nuclear power and the independent uh, they're calling it an artificial sun, so I assume it would go up in the sky, would it not? I don't think so. They're just saying that because fusion is what the sun does, and that's what this reactor did. I get, but well, then it's not an artificial sun. No, it's not. But that's what that's what they're saying because I don't know. It's more makes you click on it. Uh, there's a comment on here that says that it is going to go up into the sky, but it will be static. It will not. It'll just stay it stay right over China. It It'll will be in not geosynchronous orbit. Well, but the, yeah, exactly. why make a reactor and then put it in space where you can't harvest the energy? That's the question. Well, so I don't. Yeah, think but that's it's so bright. Happening. I suppose you could. Yeah, it's not really quite how it works. No, no, I understand that, but I don't know. We'll 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 see what the situation is, but. Uh, <laughs> People, some people are claiming it is going to go in the sky, and others are saying it is not going to go in the sky. So I'll follow your lead on that, Andy. Whatever you think would probably be right. It would make no sense for it to go in the sky, except if they were testing it, because uh, something that hot, like I said, if something goes wrong, it can go very, very wrong. Oh, God, I would imagine so. I could go very, very, very wrong. No question about that. Uh, we don't need it. That's all I'm saying. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. We have Wendy on the phone. Wendy, Wendy, Wendy. Hello. How you doing? Marvelously well. How are you? Not too bad. Um, when you were talking about COVID before, 
I think yes. basically we have to have a we have to have a mindset change on it. Yes, we do. Because you know, God, God forbid, people are going to hear me say it's like the flu, and it, you know, the heads are going to explode. But <laughs> I mean, it is it is a virus, and I think what they're trying to do because this is something you know it will keep mutating, and we'll never be really rid of it. Right. So I think it's going to come to the same thing. They're they're trying to normalize it as a flu shot, which I get every year anyway. But you know, I mean, what's one more shot in the fall? You know, you get your flu shot, you get your COVID shot. It's going to come to that. I mean, the only way we can like get people to freak out less and to normalize it more is to treat it like we treat the flu, and not. Uh, not have the people that are talking about it in the media, like, make it like the world's going to end. Because, you know, I, it's not going to end. Let's be, let's be about it. Right. No, I understand that whole situation. It just, uh, I don't know. It, it's, we got to keep moving forward. I just wish that if you got an immunization that it would make you immune and not you don't get COVID anyway like I did. Well, it's well, not you really know, a vaccination. With your, with your booster shot, with your booster shot, I have always wondered. You got your booster shot. Re, I mean, on the plane on the way down to Nashville, had it really had enough time to take effect before you ran into the person that you contracted it from? No, because I know that. we now know who did it, and they will never admit they're the ones who gave it to everybody. They, but they definitely did. There was one person on the staff that gave it to everybody else, but they'll never admit it. Well, just how that whole deal is. I don't know. It's disgusting. Well, like I said, I don't, I really, after reading all, all kinds of stuff, and I guess I'm not a doctor, I'll admit it. You're not? I, I don't think that this is actually a real vaccination. Um, it's a therapeutic, right? Because uh, real much, vaccinations, yeah. you get the polio shot vaccination, you don't get polio. <clears throat> right. Yeah, you know, I mean. Right. A real vaccination protects you 100% from getting thought. it. Well, not nothing's 100%, right. but no. a lot more than this one does. Well, when you head into, like, viral situations like this, um, because of the mutations it makes, you're never going to have a definite end-all, be-all virus. Like, with polio, it really didn't mutate. So getting your polio vaccine, you're, you're, getting, vac- you're getting vaccinated against a specific illness not a, you know it doesn't mutate whatever you're just getting getting that but with viruses like the flu and now covid they will mutate and change you know it's like the common cold i mean we're never going to be rid of it uh-uh. but i just think we need to learn how to deal with it better i mean it's all in the marketing yeah. i mean it sounds terrible, but it's all in the marketing. It's how you look at it and how you deal with it. Because, you know, I mean, I know a couple of people that, were, <laughs> I know someone that was supposed to go in the hospitals for knee replacement that uh, tested positive for COVID. Completely asymptomatic. Nothing really? wrong with the person. Really? They, you know, think it might have been just the antigens hanging around, think they might have had COVID and not known about it because, you know, just... It was. It, it may have appeared like a cold when they had it because they never had anything that was noticeable like that. So, because of the antigen test, and then you know the person's spouse also tested positive, both asymptomatic, 
but you know, it's like, how long does that stuff hang on in your system? And I don't know, for all the people I was around in Nashville, knock on wood, I should have yeah. gotten it again, even though I was boosted and vaccinated. Apparently, I must be like super boosted or something because I did not get it. Thankfully. Big shot. Did you I have know, Did you, you know, have COVID, though? Did you ever get it? Uh, that's the funny thing. I had it in January. My whole family, but, you know, my husband and daughter and I, we had it in January before vaccinations were available. And I oh, kind of yeah. wonder if that makes a difference. That, yeah, that might have made a difference. Like I said, they're, no, not, they're not testing antibodies, and that's, I think, one of their biggest mistakes is if they were testing people for antibodies and, and figuring out what is actually protecting people, mm-hmm. it would be a, a very valuable information, in sure. my opinion. Oh, yeah. But it wouldn't you make know, uh, Pfizer any the, money. My immune system has always been weird in the fact that it. <laughs> I'm resistant to a lot of things that I probably shouldn't be resistant to. You know, I get sick a lot less than other people, with the exception of when I used to smoke. When I used to oh, smoke, sure. I would get, I would get uh, bronchitis that went into pneumonia a few times. But once I got the pneumonia shot and stopped smoking, that that didn't happen anymore. But it's, it's kind of weird. I don't know. I, I'd always love to st- I'd love to figure out what it is in my blood that makes me resistant to a lot of this because I mean it surprises me, you know what I mean? It's like I'm I'm not saying I should be dead or anything, but I'm well that you know, that's probably part of the thing. It's like people love to watch me cook and they're like, Ah, oh, you know, it must be really hard. It's like, no, it's not really hard. Plus, it provides me with the um, with the peace of mind that I know where stuff is coming from that I put in my food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, Do you know true. what your blood type is? I mean, I'm O something. I can't remember if I'm positive or negative. Mm. Yeah, because I'm A positive, and I basically mm-hmm. never get sick. And I don't know. I, yeah, it's. You never know why. I guess it, I, guess I think it's, it's just like it's it a lifestyle. Is. If you wash your hands enough and you take precautions, then you're not going to get sick unless there's, you know, if you have a kid, then there's not a whole lot you can do. But other than that, no, like say Drasmussen licking yeah. every yep, exactly. hand railing. Yeah, that he walks by. that's true. <laughs> you know, kids, kids like that. I mean, people like cringe in horror when they see kids doing that. Well, mm-hmm. I guess I've always believed that when kids do that. That's how you build up your immune system. I mean, you you are exposed to, oh, for sure. My grandmother was a nurse, uh, you know, before she passed a long time ago. But, and she said, you know, let the kid eat dirt. I mean, they're they're not, if you you live in a bubble, you're going Mm -hmm. to get whatever's going around worse and more virulent. Mm -hmm. But if you, you know, eat dirt every now and again, so to speak, then you're going to build up a lot of the immunity you know, and obviously not dirt, but I mean, if you see a kid licking the steps, it's like, okay, don't lick the steps, but or don't lick the railings, but don't freak out when they do, because chances are, you know, it's well, it is their pretty immune gross. system. Be, well, <laughs> well, yes, it is gross. Yeah, but... I, oh, yeah, it is. It is. I just kind of cringe when I see it, knowing what I know now, but. Is anybody old enough to remember 
When, remember when all the antibacterial soaps were coming out and Purell came out yep. and everybody was using it and there were campaigns about germy bars of soap and that you needed, you know, soap in a plastic thing and yada, yada, yada. And everybody was using all of that. And then all of a sudden, if I recall correctly, scientists were saying to not use those things all the time because you're, we're messing with your immune system. Right. That it's you called a hygiene be, hypothesis. Yeah, and you're, and so then everybody started going. I used, oh, sorry, I used to teach a hand washing, um, a hand washing like program. I was I was a member of an employee, I, um, a member of an employee resource group in our company that we, um, one of the committees that I was on, we helped a nonprofit. We worked with them to develop a program that we could get out into the community with to teach kids about um, how, like, how to wash your hands and, you know, why it's important to keep clean and what's correct and what's not. And, I mean, the theory is that a water molecule has one end that's hydrophilic and one end that is hydrophobic. One loves water, one hates water. So in order to get properly clean hands, you use soap plus water, and that washes away dirt. I mean... You know, hand sanitizer is good in a pinch, but it's nothing that you should shower with. You well, know what I mean? Right. It doesn't remove right. anything from your hands. It just kills what's on your hands. But your hands are still dirty. They're just sterile, Ex- if that makes Ex- sense. And that, that is completely a good way to look at it. But mm-hmm. with, with soap and water, soap plus water takes away the dirt. So your hands yep. are actually truly clean, but yet they have the good little bugs in it. That you know they don't wash away everything. They keep the good stuff, but they just clean your hands. So yeah, the hand sanitizer is good in a pinch, just not twenty four seven. And if people would just wash their hands when they get done in the bathroom, things would improve greatly. Yes. Thank you, my dear. We have a guest coming up next, so we will talk to you soon, sister. You betcha. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks, Wendy. We'll take a break. Be right back. Guest up next with the family. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home. List it on the MLS and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. It's Tom, and for months I've been telling you about my success with Profile. You know about that. I haven't done it alone, of course. My Profile coach, Haley, has been with me every step of the way. She's there for me to celebrate my success and encourage me when I've struggled, and we all struggle, you know that. She is truly my secret weapon. If you or someone you know is passionate about helping others lose weight and feel better, the good folks at Profile want to meet you. 
Profile offers competitive compensation, benefits, a 401k match, flexible work schedules, and a sign-on bonus. Not a health coach already? Well, don't worry. Profile pays for your training and health coach certification. What about that action? So what are you waiting for? Visit ProfilePlan.com forward slash Twin Cities for a location near you. That's ProfilePlan.com forward slash Twin Cities or find them on Indeed under Profile by Sanford. Profile, transforming lives like mine, one relationship at a time. We are back, and we are laughing because uh, we just got a picture of Hi. Catherine's father, Don. Yeah, I just showed uh, Andy. I just showed him the picture oh, of, my, yeah. of Grandpa sleeping with his mouth open, and Ethan sleeping with his mouth yeah. open. 90, 95 <laughs> years of sleeping with your mouth I open. Call that yeah, piece naps through the, the ages. Of life. <laughs> uh, it's true. It's very funny. <clears throat> All right, and so we'll go to about about eight after Andy, if that works for you. As soon as soon as we get old, okay. Yep. All right. Just yeah. Let me know when we have her, because uh, I do want to bring up. Uh, I brought it up on the KQ Morning Show this morning. Michelle Tafoya is going to leave NBC. There was a lot of talk about this, and some people said no, it's not going to happen, and other people said yes, it is going to happen. And Catherine and I were just talking about, and I haven't talked. Well, you talked to Michelle, did you not? Yeah, I read her statements and all that stuff. Yeah, I did talk to her. And you talked to her. I just don't understand why she would have gone on the View. I. I it's just really not your cup of that out. Yeah, because it's not her audience. I think that you know, <clears throat> Michelle is articulate, yeah, and she, she, you know, she can communicate, and she—I'm th- sure she thought that she could go and answer questions and be understood or make herself understood. Yeah, but it's a big mistake. The, the, yeah, the view is just a one-sided, yes. you know, little hen house of women that just are looking for differences so they can go. Pick at the spot on the other chicken. I mean, yep. that's just who they are. They're just, that's what they do. I don't understand why people watch that show or quote that show or I why any. I don't even understand why a super progressive left leaning liberal would go on that show because it's just, it, it's not a, it's not a good thing it's for not the world good. that that's, mm-hmm. a, that that's a show. Oh, but you know what bad. is good is what? a haunting on Discovery oh, Plus. Oh, I haunting wow. any day of the week. Absolutely. I'd much de- rather deal with a ghost than The View. <laughs> I think... I think <laughs> we could Kay ask Kay Rothman. Yes. You can ask Kay Rothman, would you rather go see a ghost or go on The View, Kay? Or even watch The View. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not going to trash my colleagues. I think good stories are good stories no matter where you find them. No, I understand. Kay Rothman develops, writes, directs, and produces documentary, science, technology, lifestyle, and arts projects for broadcasts such as Amazon Prime, Nat Geo, PBS, Discovery, NBC, and A&E, the History Channel, Food Network. What, can't you get a job, Kay? What's the problem? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm busy. I'm busy. No, you there are a lot of good stories out there. There are a lot of good stories out there, and I just okay. Just before we get started, I, I want I'm not dragging you into politics. I'm dragging you into attitude here. I do think that this whole idea that we have a way far right and a way far left, and they're beating the hell out of everybody else, all of us in the middle, it just uh, 
Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to ask you how old you are, but I, I do remember as a little boy in the 1960s watching this develop. And the next thing that happened after this kind of attitude developed was JFK was assassinated. And the rest of the 60s from 63 all the way to 70 was very violent. I don't think they want to go through this again, Kay. I'm just telling them. Right? Well, I think that uh, we have a lot more in common than we have separates us. Right, right. And a, a, a lot of people out there are broken. That's what we, we're all broken. We try to live our lives healing that brokenness. And, um, you know, kindness goes a long way. And I hope, uh, I hope people feel like they've got room in their lives for more kindness. We could use more kindness. You are correct. There's no doubt about that. Ladies and gentlemen, a haunting, terrifying true stories of the uh, paranormal are told by the people who experience them. The mystery of each haunting is unraveled through first-person accounts and dramatic uh, reenactments revealing that life and death are far stranger than ever imagined. A haunting TV series on Discovery Plus. It is streaming now. Kay Rothman, our special guest, so, Kay, tell us all about the, the, uh, a haunting, if you would. Sure. So what's happening now is it's uh, season 11. A haunting originally aired 10 seasons a few years back mm-hmm. on travel. And then um, Discovery Plus, which is connected to travel, they're all in the same broadcast family, started airing those back episodes, and people were really interested. Um so a reboot of the series was ordered, and that's what I've been working on, which is season 11. We've got 10 episodes. They're one hour each. They're, they air simultaneously on Travel Channel on Fridays at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also they drop on Discovery Plus each Friday um, for, on the same, yeah, in the same pattern. So two have aired. We started on New Year's Eve with the first episode. Um, episodes one and two have now aired. You can go and watch them. They, they've been doing really well with the viewers. Um, the, the stories are really engaging. And I personally did many of the field interviews uh, for these stories as supervising producer. And so I got a chance to really talk to these people both on camera and off and um they're very, it's very engaging. It's very powerful. And it's uh, kind of scary. They're going to get scarier as this season continues. So hold on to your hat. <laughs> Why do you think it is, Kay, that, that uh, shows like a haunting and, and paranormal on that? It's just blown up in America, probably around the world, I haven't noticed, but in America it has blown up people. Why the, the great interest in the last, I'd say, 10 years in, in the paranormal? Um, I think that there are a lot of long answers to that. But the short answer is these things go in waves. Um, Before I worked on Haunting, I did a limited series about Roswell for History Channel um, in late late 2020 that also did very well. And it's interesting because Roswell in in the late 1940s also was the start of really this UFO um, in the zeitgeist, the cultural zeitgeist in in America. And it also happened 
right after a, a sort of a political, a wave of political upheaval. We're coming out of uh, World War II. We're deep into the um, the Cold War, and the countries, the world seemed quite divided. And there was something about alternative existences that was very appealing to people looking for um, a reality that was different than the reality that they were experiencing that felt so polarized, so stuck. And as you said at the beginning of our conversation, you're, you're feeling that now. I don't think that's yeah. an accident. Um, but I also hear from uh, colleagues and friends who are sensitive that the world itself is also raising its energetic level, its sensitivity to um, other possibilities. And our science is catching up with that. I mean, we're sending beacons out to the edge of our solar system and beyond. We, we are extraterrestrials ourselves going there. So mm-hmm. I think people's minds are opening to the possibility that um, there is more out there. That's certainly what we found uh, producing a haunting. You know, it's interesting, Kay, is I, I tend to be a centrist politically and pretty much in life. I grew up Roman Catholic, but I'm not a, a really religious guy. But to me, it kind of looks because because any belief in God and to me, good, you know, God is just a shortened version of the word good. And if there is a God, that's great. If there isn't, there's nothing I can do about it anyway. But it seems to me when you're talking about afterlife uh, and getting so powerful in the last 10 years, I do remember when people went after religions that you, what do you, why are you following, you know, this religion, that religion? What are you doing? What, what a waste of time. There's, there is no God. What are you talking about? And blah, blah, blah. Well, people still want to believe this, this is not it, that when you die, maybe there is something more. Is that part of this whole thing? When we, when we lost the ability to believe in God, because everybody would yell at us if we did, mm-hmm. to believe in, in, uh, uh, the paranormal kind of takes its place in a way, doesn't it? And I'm not criticizing it. I think it's the human brain, and that's the way it works. Well, so my background is in science. And mm-hmm. when I look at the stories that I tell, I look at them from a scientific perspective. Right. Um, with Roswell, we were testing new evidence. Um, with a haunting, I still approach those stories from not a skeptical point of view, but from a a pragmatic point of view. And I think what I, what you're talking about to me is the nature of consciousness. And however you label it, religion gives us vocabulary. It gives us um, a structure in which to understand something. But most religions, certainly all the major religions, are all talking about the same thing, which is consciousness, the nature of consciousness, and the nature of our shared humanity. And so whether you are looking at those issues with a strictly religious language, or you're looking at it as a scientific investigator or simply as a human being wanting to understand more about 
who are we, what are we, why are we, that all of these approaches have a piece of the answer. Yeah, I think that you're absolutely right. Look, I'm sitting on this show with my wife, Catherine. We've been together for over 40 years. Our son, Andy, is 35 years old. We have a daughter, Alex, who's 32. I just turned 70 in November. I don't really want to look uh, to the day 10 years, 15, 20, 30 years from now when I may never see them again. I don't even want to think about that. It's it's too much to deal with, so it does give me a little hope. Maybe if there is a God or there are paranormal or whatever, it gives me an opportunity to not, you know, not feel that deep sadness. I, I, I think it's just human nature to want to try to protect yourself from that. So I wouldn't deny that it's true or not true. You know, I'm not the right. only one on this planet, right? Right, right. Well, look, um, if we had definitive answers, We'd have definitive answers. Mm-hmm. We have we have moments of clarity in a world of chaos. And a lot of what I've learned from the people that have told me their stories and from the investigators like Dave Schrader, who I had the joy of working with on uh, the Lizzie Borden shock doc uh, right, earlier right. last year, um, I think that the only approach we can take is to try to be our best version of ourselves. Right. As loving, as kind, as generous of spirit, looking for ways to create meaning in the lives of ourselves and the, the people we care about, leaving the planet in a better condition than when we arrived, and... If there is a God, if that's what you want to use the language of, or if we're talking about consciousness, if we do the best we can, then we've done the best we can. Yep. We don't have answers. We're not going to have definitive answers until we are are ready to face that in our own transition. So do the best you can, and... uh, I'm certainly optimistic, and let me tell you, my mind has been blown by some of the things that I can't explain, uh, on both on camera and also a lot of stuff that happened to us off camera um, that wasn't part of the show because it wasn't part of the show, but just spending doing a deep dive into this work over the better part of a year, um, it's wild. Yeah, I could understand. There's definitely no, I, stuff going on that I can't explain. Mm-hmm. Um, my great-grandmother, Susan Barnard, was exactly 100 years older than me. She, uh, she died at 104. And I, my, one, my one instance uh, occurrence in my life where this happened, I was four years old. And uh, we're living at uh, downtown Minneapolis at 1200 Spruce Place. I'll never forget it. And I woke up, I was in bed, and I woke up, I'm four years old, and I looked it down, and my great-grandmother was standing at the end of the bed. And I thought, well, great-grandma. And she didn't answer me, just stood there looking at me, and then I just fell asleep again. When I woke up, she was not there. So did I see a ghost? Because I found out she had died. Um, what, 
it was quite the experience. Now, I didn't know she had died. I had no clue when I saw her that she had died. Uh, for a four-year-old boy, that was pretty interesting, I will tell you that. It, was it scary for you? How did you feel no. when you saw her? No, I, I loved her dearly. She she would tease me and make me laugh like, oh, my God, she was. And by the way, I was four years old, and she was about two inches taller than me. So, you know, she was uh-huh. not a very, she was not an imposing figure. She was probably about 4'10", 4'11", something like that. She's not very big. Right. But it, no, actually, if I interpret it properly, because I was not scared, I felt good. I felt happy to see her. Maybe maybe she wanted to leave me with that last thing because she and I got along really well. I adored the woman. I believe she loved me. So maybe that was my gift. It's like, don't forget that I thought the world of you. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. Or she's saying she's not so far away. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's yeah, fascinating so, stuff. So, so listen, you, you had what sounds like a really positive experience. Yes, absolutely it was. I was very and, happy and, to see her. And, and my take on that would be, right, be ready for the next one. Be open. Your, your job here is to be open for the next gift of grace from people who love you, who are there with you, who are rooting for you. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, that's it, what I would say. I, I think you're absolutely right, because I did not know she had died. That I did not know. Yeah. So for her standing, yeah. I just assumed she probably came down. She lived in Long Prairie, Minnesota, which is about 110 miles uh, from from Minneapolis and St. Paul. I just assumed she came down with my grandfather or grandmother or my father or whatever. I just thought yeah. she was there visiting and wanted to come and check on me. That's what I thought happened. Then I found out the yeah. next day she was dead. Well, maybe she did want to check on you. I'm hoping that'd be yeah. that'd be very very nice. I, I, there are no questions. So Have you ever you had an experience? It, if you didn't find it scary, then no. Nope. Then I would say, why not? It's a lovely, it's a lovely thought. It's a lovely memory. Let mm-hmm. it color your view moving forward. Why not? I couldn't agree more. So if that's what it's all, I guess the point I'm trying to make, Kay, is the fact that, yes, I can see that some ghost stories are quite scary and terrifying and all the rest of it, but possibly there are ghost stories that make you feel better and have an understanding, I'm still with you even though I'm not with you physically. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. Right, right. So a a lot of... Different people have said have had different takes on it when I've asked them about it. And mm-hmm. some people are very committed to a very specific ideology. Um, right. A lot of the stories that we talk about on a haunting are enmeshed in the Catholic Church um, sure. and deal yep. with priests who are coming to exercise spirits or deliver a location, as it were. And so the the rituals they use and the language that they use is very steeped in Catholic dogma. Yeah. But they all say that that's just the language they use. There are other people that have other um, vocabularies, other approaches that also deal with... Um, 
these kinds of experiences and the healing that goes on. One piece that was interesting to me um, is when someone said, you know, some people go straight to words like demon and evil and Satan, but really consciousness to a great extent is neutral. It's like a shark. A shark can be waiting in the water, floating around, looking for its next meal. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just being a shark. And it may come upon a small child playing in the water and eat the child. And for those of us looking on, we say that's horrific. The shark is evil. But the shark isn't evil. It's just alive. It's doing its shark thing. And as human beings, we have lots of opportunities to have things happen to us, and we interpret them through a lens that we choose. So things happen to people all the time. I've been in a lot of instances. I've had two major car crashes working on shows Ooh. recently where the, cars were, where the cars were total. And, you know, and I've been on a pl- planes that have had serious issues and have come down very quickly. And some people would say, gosh, Kay, you have a lot of bad luck. And I would say, are you kidding? I've, I've been through all these things, and here I am. But how lucky am I? How blessed am I? How, how grateful am I? People get sick, and some people look at that and go, oh, isn't that terrible? They got sick. I feel. But the person may say, but this is an opportunity to grow. This is an opportunity to heal. Life happens no matter what. What we choose to do with those experiences, do we choose to become bitter and angry and broken and start to identify people as the enemy? Or do we say, I have the strength and commitment to myself and the people around me to do the best I can to turn this into a positive, to reach out for support and compassion. Talk about the power of prayer, you know? Um, Yeah, yeah. So I think that some of the stories are scary because they're unexpected. Yeah. And for the yep. people going through them, for sure, it was frightening. And and they, we certainly aren't afraid to go to that scary place in the show. But in the end, almost always, what we see is the family growing stronger having survived that experience, the strength of their own personal faith or their commitment to their future, that, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, as they say, except for bears. Bears will will just kill you. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose. Other than bears. Yeah, other than bears, you know. Yes. Um, But the show is also entertainment, too. You know, what makes Mm -hmm. it really good and entertaining is how genuine and organic the stories are. But if you sit down to watch them, you go for a ride. I mean, we do our best to not shy away from the scary aspects of the story, for sure. For sure. I, you know, Kay, it's so wonderful to talk to someone. Because it's not, a lot of times, and I'm not the one, you know, a very 
a basic and base person when it comes to this. When you talk to people about, you know, hauntings and the paranormal and the rest of it, and it's all, ooh, boo, you know, scary, blah, blah. Well, it's not all scary. We learn things from it. Uh, we have different experiences. I, I, I just, uh, I love this conversation, Kay, because we're talking about what these, these appearances, what these hauntings or paranormal activities could do to make you feel better, not worse. That's right. That's right. I mean, um, you know, <laughs> Mr. Rogers, Mr. Oh, yeah. Rogers' neighborhood, he Loved always him. said, in the darkness, look for the helpers. That's what, you know, it, it's an opportunity. We, we don't choose the times we live in, but we choose how we respond to that. And so in these dark stories, we find people who face their fear and who reach yeah. out, even though it's scary, to help other people who are deeply committed to a healing journey. Um, I really have enjoyed meeting those people and feel very privileged to have had them trust me with their stories, trust our team with their stories. Um, and hopefully we'll have a chance to tell more of them. If everyone watches and responds positively to it, we'll, we'll tell some more. We had way too many great people and great stories come our way to fit into just one season. So there is more out there for us to do um, if we're given the opportunity. I think it's wonderful. I'll close. We have, we have about one minute left, so I will I'll close with this story, if it's okay with you. Uh, sure. You talked about nice Catholic boys. I grew up a nice Catholic boy, went to St. Joseph's, then St. Anne's. And when I was in third grade, about ready to go to First Communion, and of course then before that, my first confession as a Catholic, this is the kind of strength that uh, maybe situations like that my mother gave to me. I was sitting in class, and the priest came in and said, uh, Okay, you kids, you third graders, you're going to take your first communion, but first you must go to confession. And I will tell you this, when you come into the confessional, I will be in there. But when I'm in the confessional with you, I am not your, your priest. I am a conduit to God. And I said in full voice, No, you're not. Boy, did I get in trouble for that, Kay. <laughs> so there you go. Take that home. Yeah. Kay Rothman, thank you for your time today. Thanks so much for uh, talking with me. I appreciate it. And thanks for watching the show. We will watch it. A haunting TV series on Discovery Plus. It's streaming now. Kay Rothman, that's going to do it with the family.